0: I think what I've realized is, it's easy to be creative, but hard to be business minded. Mm -hmm. So everything that I do on the coaching front has literally been fueled by me wanting to show other freelancers, you can make a living doing what you love, uh, regardless of what anyone else is gonna say.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The 505 Podcast. Today, we welcome two very special guests. These two are hosts of the Mid Convo Podcast. They are photographers, filmmakers, and business owners. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Ed Lee and Paul Weaver.
0: Air horns.
2: Air
1: horns. Welcome, boys. Welcome. Okay, so I told you guys I briefed you in the beginning. We got the one-handed crack challenge to start us off. So please don't mess this up. I have high hopes in both of you. One hand off the table. Let's see it. Paul, you can go first.
0: I can pick it up. Oh, you can pick it up. Yeah, you got to right.
1: pick it up. Okay. Boom. Oh, okay. Splash effect. Give Oof. me a spin on the table. Now you're good. You can give me a spin. Big dent there on the, on wow. the side. Dang it. That, that might wow. be a, it's a really big dent. Sheesh. I'm nervous. Paul's I'm getting like, a 5-1 actu- actu- <laughs> to start us off. So, Ed, <laughs> <laughs> Ed get it going.
3: Bro, I'm actually nervous right now. I'm not even going to lie. You, you pick Ed, it up. You got it.
0: Oh, oh Ed. Oh. That was clean. Ed,
1: that was clean. Spin us for us. Oh, no, there's a dent though. I think that was there before. (laughs) (laughs) Ed's getting a 7-8 to start us off, let's let's go go. Ed. Welcome boys, you guys kind of, this is very last minute. Super spontaneous. Explain to me why you guys are in LA.
0: Yeah, so we run a podcast called The Mid Convo and we're doing these quarterly trips to get guests on the pod, that was was good. Yeah, But no, we thought it'd be cool to come out to LA to get guests on the podcast. Mm. And then also Ed's in Seattle, I'm in Miami. It's like a pretty far distance. They're yeah. like, yeah. quite
3: literally on opposite points of the country. So whenever yeah. we can
0: come together in person and record, just makes a big difference.
1: What made you kind of start this pod on opposite ends of the country? When did that come about?
3: It's a good, interesting story. Yeah. So I actually started Mid Convo as a podcast by myself um, right around the time I quit my job back in 2018. Mm. And it was just a passion project at the time. Honestly, podcast podcasting wasn't that big. It was just something that I felt passionate about, just have conversations.
2: We were saying that yeah. earlier. I was like, Brain was like, dude, it's really hard to get a podcast off the ground. It is. And now it's a little bit more... Uh, it's just like more common for po- people to even listen to podcasts like i wasn't even listening to podcasts sure, in 2018 yeah. mm-hmm. let alone had the idea to start one so that's pretty cool yeah
3: likewise i think short form content definitely sped up the process a little bit on that and the video aspect but uh basically me and paul when we connected there's a trip we went on um when we finally got to like do a couple projects together he invited me and my wife christine to go on a trip uh, with some friends he has in san miguel mexico and so that was a really cool experience and then Me and Paul, we've always just talked business, chop it up. We just love talking about creative stuff. And I was telling him about the podcast and I said, dude, it's like so hard to stay consistent with it. Also, I'm just talking to myself all the time. So I wish I had someone to banter things off of. And it was a very like last minute, spontaneous thing where I was like, Paul, you should be my co-host. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, and then we, I had all my podcast stuff because I wanted to initially have him on as like a guest because I was running podcasts Mm -hmm. at the time. And then we just hopped on the mic and it just felt so natural. And I feel like our conversation flow was good. So I was like, dude, you want to join in combo?" Yeah. And now we, I went through a whole rebranding phase. I hit up my designer who made my cover art. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I have a co-host now. Can you just like redo this exact cover art, but add another head? Nice. <laughs> That's what we did.
2: That's dope. And had you had the idea to
0: podcast at all before, or was this? I actually had, um, but I kind of ran into the same thing as Ed was facing where it's like, speaking to yourself on a podcast mm-hmm. is challenging. And uh, I wanted to make it be something that I could do with someone else. So I actually had been kind of planning on my mood board, if you will, to eventually do my own. So when Ed asked me, I was like, bro, I haven't even heard of the mid combo, but it sounds dope. <laughs> and uh, I remember that in Mexico, I remember like going back to my room cause we kind of were at this villa and I was like listening to all the episodes you had done. And I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, I think I'm gonna hop on as a co-host. This sounds awesome. So I think we've done about 20 episodes together now.
3: Yeah. And I think, it we make it really spontaneous and it was a spontaneous thing but to be honest i don't know if i ever told you this but things like podcast co-hosts i'm really calculated about that kind of stuff because i've done businesses with other people and i personally sometimes are scared to mix more business commitment mm. things with close friends because i'm like if it doesn't go well you could lose a friend and you lose the business mm. so i was a little bit a little nervous because i was like this is we're kind of taking not not that many power dating or anything, but it was kind of taking it kind to the of. next level as far totally. was becoming a podcast co-host. Mm. And you guys know, like with co-hosts, you have to flow, and if it's just awkward, let's say it just you say yes and you bring co-host on, and it doesn't flow. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, all right, well, you're still my good buddy, but yeah. we suck on the mic, so you know what's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just it was interesting, but I'm I'm thankful that in the long run it really worked out, and I'm super excited for all that mid combo. And to it's, come.
2: it's funny you bring up like not that it's, like, dating, but, like, taking the next step and, like, being cautious of ruining mm-hmm. a friendship. Like For sure. If you're good friends, you're like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, of course it's all going to be, like, all good. Mm-hmm. And then you never know. Like, yeah, the little, uh, something small can set, you know, a, a weird thing. I don't know. Like, 100%. it's it's tough mixing, like, friendship and business. I think um, I'm glad that me and Brayden and Chase have been, I mean, Chase not here, but I'm just glad that we've been able to do it and, like, it is really nice having like two other co-hosts to bounce ideas off of each other. Like if you're interviewing someone or even just having a conversation, it can be, like there's times where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to say. And then like Brandon and Chase pick it up and I'm like, oh, this is
3: great. Yeah, you get the homies pick up the yeah, slack. And exactly. like, all right, yeah, reel it back, reel it back.
0: You start back. looking at them in the eyes like, all right. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Wait,
1: so when, when did you both get into the creative space? Is this like a high school thing? Did you guys both go to college? Was there no college? What did it kind of look like? I want to throw it to you, both? Ed, I want to hear this. You want me to go
0: first? Yeah, a young um, Edward Lee.
3: So yeah, I guess this could either be like a thirty-minute thing, or it could be like a five-second <laughs> answer. But we'll try to make it somewhat concise. I went to school for digital marketing and entrepreneurship. like college got mm-hmm. my bachelor's in that. But throughout high school, I've always just loved photography. Like I've always loved ph- photography. I remember back in the day, people who remember like the Samsung Galaxy line on the hey. first when they first came out, they had it. W- it was basically their version of like portrait mode at the time, where they blurred the background, and I was so fascinated by that. Then I got my first like Canon Rebel camera from Costco that my parents got me. And I had when I got my first nifty fifty prime lens and I took like a photo of like this can or something on a table, I was mind blown. I'm like, yo, this is this is crazy. It's all blurred, it's all background. I went through my whole shooting only flowers phase where I'm just like shooting trees and random stuff. Hands. hand, yeah, hands out. Yeah, I've been through all that. And I think just being in the Pacific Northwest at the time there was a lot of landscape photographers coming over the scene. Like early IG days, everyone was posting like landscape photos and Everyone's trying to go on that PNW vibe. So I've always had an interest in photography. And then after I graduated um, uh, college and working a bunch of odd jobs, I wanted to immerse myself a little bit more into the video, photo, the whole space. Got a job at a place called Rhino Camera Gear. So they make like sliders Mm -hmm. for people who aren't, you know, they make motorized sliders. And I was there for two years. It was like a blur. Those two years went by so fast, but I learned a ton as a creative, just being on a team environment. I was young, so I also learned just more professionalism, being in meetings with other people who are older than me, all those types of deals. Then I quit in 2018 to do my own thing. And then that's kind of where the freelance side was born, my whole um, desire to help creatives and get in, involved more in that, the podcast, all those things kind of sprouted from making that jump and doing my own thing.
2: Were you doing freelance stuff on top of your full-time job and then the freelance was kind of like, okay, I could turn
3: this into a full-time thing or like, where were you career-wise? That's a good question. I think for me, it was a little bit on the side, but it was not something I was trying to do full-time. I always was scared to do the, make the whole jump, but it was calculated. Like before I quit my job, there's a few retainers that I had ready to go before I quit my job because I can forecast my uh, income. But there was a period where I was looking at, I mean, I love my job at Rhino. I love the people I work with. But there was a point in time where I met a lot of people through that job, Uh, like influencers. um, This is like a story for another day, but like Peter McKinnon was Mm -hmm. like a really big, as I'm sure a lot of people are in like the creative space, Mm -hmm. was a big inspiration for me when I was first trying to get into the scene. And Rhino sponsored a trip for Peter and Maddie to go to Iceland. And so, like, I was responsible for shooting video. So, I've been, like, bunking beds with Peter and Maddie, like, in a small area. Yeah, you guys brushing teeth together. (laughs) Yeah, in the middle of Iceland. No, literally. Uh And I don't talk about that story much, like, on just my own stuff. But I learned so much in that process and being around. Because I handled influencers, ambassadors Mm -hmm. for Rhino. Like, I would be representing the brand, trying to get other creators to work with me. Mm -hmm. So, I was exposed to a lot of that environment. And I just thought to myself, like, dang. I remember being in Ireland one time. And There was a creator event where everyone was like hanging out all the creators all the youtubers are like kicking it It's like super clicky and I'm like one of the brands that are just kind of there as like the videographer for the brand Mm. I was just thinking to myself like dang like I'm trying to I'm trying to be like one of the creators like I want to go out there like Do my own thing and I loved my job But I said maybe this is the time I start thinking about pivoting Mm. and so yeah I started to think more on like income get really calculated with it, but I was taking on gigs on the side so that when I jumped, it wasn't just like with no income.
1: Yeah, we talk about that too. I think it's so important. I mean, like you can just blindly hop into it. Like mm-hmm. people have done it, but mm-hmm. I think it's so much a lesser of a of a risk to have yeah. to have that income. Know that you have a few retainers locked in. Know that you have a little bit of money saved in case your retainers fly away. And then you're like, okay, I just moved out to LA and now I don't have any money coming in. How did you kind of get into it, Paul?
0: Yeah, I feel like similar situation. I went to college for economics and business marketing at the University of Minnesota. And then growing up in Minnesota, there was such a huge music influence on the city. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with going to all the concerts on the weekends. And I would bring my dad's uh, Canon Rebel T2i and just absolutely crush the ISO. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I would use this stock lens and he'd be like, you better come home with this thing as, like, as nice as it was. So I um, grew up just shooting a lot of concerts for free shooting from the crowd and then i was drawn to the behind the scenes so my start was in the music industry Mm. um ended up sneaking backstage a lot of these big music venues in minneapolis would capture the behind the scenes content for artists to use on their myspace and like facebook pages dang MySpace! yeah you're really dating yourself there (laughs) i had to but this was 10 years ago yeah seriously uh and i had a portfolio and when i went off to college i sent it off to all these independent music artists and then i got a few emails back and that next summer I was on a US tour. So like, Sick. that was the moment where I'm like, wait, I can get paid to do this? And that was doing photo, and then fun story, one of the first stops on that tour, it was for this R&B singer named Somo. he's with Republic Records mm-hmm. now. I was in Iowa, and I remember I was friends with Ben um, Haggerty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, ben. And. Black with no cream. <laughs> bro, he was a musician at that time. And ben I texted was? him, yeah. Oh wow. And uh, it was called School Life, and I texted him like, bro, I'll get you on the guest list. Can you teach me how to shoot video backstage? Bro, he showed up, I handed him my Canon, my Canon rebel T2I figured out the settings for me that from that point on, I was shooting video on that tour, shooting like (laughs) Somo Sundays, which were like his versions of like cover videos on tour. Um, but at that moment I remember getting off that tour. It was about 15 stops one summer and my parents were like, all right, you gotta get a real job (laughs) and graduated from college got a job at an agency, built that cushion that I feel like I've heard a lot in the freelance Mm -hmm. world, like build that cushion at a job and then you can take the leap. While I was at that agency, I was learning so much shooting for some pretty big fashion brands that on the weekends and on like the evenings, I was burning that midnight oil, building my retainer list for Mm -hmm. my clients. So then I could take that leap and do full time. So I'd say like, I've been doing it full time for about six years now. And um, it's been awesome. That's awesome. Fun fact. I took your workshop oh cool uh
2: the like what was it the you did it online recently. webinar the online yeah the webinar. online webinar yeah. like the hundred thousand dollars a creative oh yeah you talk about retainer clients the six figure yes. business mm-hmm. framework i've taken that too yeah yeah, yeah. Before That's awesome. I met Paul, it's phenomenal Dude, thank you and um one of the big things you talk about that like really resonated with me is like i knew it but sometimes you know something and then you hear somebody else say it in maybe a different way and it, mm-hmm. and it resonates yeah. with you but just like the importance of having those retainer clients to like one, give you the freedom to maybe pass up on certain, um, certain opportunities that come your way that like wow. you don't want to do, um, but then also like that's the way to build a six-figure business as a yeah, creative. Yeah, totally.
0: Bro, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Backstory on that, during the pandemic, someone told me, hey, you should launch an online course. I'm like, yo, I hate education because <laughs> I've been getting hit by all these get rich, all, quick the, ads. all the ads yeah. 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 and, um, that's kind of how, it, <laughs> seriously. I, uh, first course was how to land brands without leaving your house mm. pandemic course Great. and then Great the six big photo biz framework was probably like my favorite webinar that I've done because honestly it was just me sharing how I built my business mm. and sharing things. It was like four hours long. I remember, and I'm like, no, one's going to listen to this thing and, um, uh, It's cool to hear that you were part of it because i never get to hear feedback for the most part on that one um
3: that's cool that's cool that's really cool i just
0: thought it was great how much like
2: how much value you provided in that in that three-hour workshop i remember being like man i I do kind of want to hire you as like a coach but like i'm not i'm not at that point because i was like i'm just doing like the music stuff right now Mm -hmm. but i feel like i took away so much from that workshop that's awesome like I just wanted to give you that like feedback of like this is great like and i know Mm brandon and i talk about how he has an online course and how it can kind of feel of course yeah let's go it can it like there's a stigma around it of it being like scammy or whatever Mm -hmm. but if you go about it i think the right way it's not scamming you're like oh i'm actually providing value and Mm -hmm. you'll see the lives change
1: dude you know like you'll see them you'll get the real world feedback of oh i got a job doing this or i made 10k this month and you're like okay i'm actually physically changing awesome. people's lives mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and it's not just like the Ty lopez guy where it's yeah, like buy yeah, this yeah. course and you'll make a million dollars <laughs> next week yeah. you, you the know the Lamborghini no yeah all <laughs> yeah. the, the books, books the books, million bucks on the fucking wall. <laughs> uh, on the wall so i want to talk to you a little bit about you know diversifying as mm. creatives because i i personally love business it's like my favorite thing of the creative space yeah. is the business side mm-hmm. of it so why did you guys? You know, I, I I've I've creeped down on both of your pages in the hour and a half that I had to prepare for this. Podcast. <laughs> we <laughs> so, appreciate the honesty. Awesome. You know, so I um, I saw that you know you have an online webinar. You also have a coaching program. I saw that you have a studio space. Right. Mm. You have all these different things that you guys are both doing. So mm-hmm. why did you get into that? Why did you kind of say, okay, I can make stuff. Right. We all make stuff. We mm-hmm. can make money making stuff, but why hop into this other lane? I want to hear it from both of you.
3: Well, the studio space, not that you mention it, it's interesting because I actually got rid of the studio space mm. like uh, a couple months back mm. and 2022 was like a huge learning experience for me. Mm. Um, I think over the years I've tried to see, I think as a creative, I'm always trying to see what works. Mm. I also similar to yourself, like just love business and me and Paul are just constantly, I mean, we are creatives. what what we do for work Mm. but i think truly where our passion lies is just business Mm. and talking about how we can turn ideas into profits or how we can Mm. connect with more people through business like that kind of stuff gets me fired up Mm. and i think for me just diversifying where i'm always trying to look for ways i can allocate more of my creativity um i think i think that's why i didn't really last in the wedding industry just for me personally like it was too rigid like you're creative like for the first year and then after that it becomes a system mm-hmm. and I think for me as creatives like we're always trying to figure out ways to like find new systems find new ways find new paths and so the studio was one I really love coaching and I want to get back into coaching but this year I realized I was doing too much and so I've really dialed it back mm-hmm. and just uh i forgot where so cal newport um he's an author of a book called deep work mm-hmm. he was on a podcast recently and he said something that was kind uh, of was an epiphany for me he was saying trying to do too much is like trying to go outside and catch rain <laughs> like it's like you're running around trying to ca- like if you're just mm-hmm. if you just stay in one spot mm-hmm. you're gonna catch the most rain mm-hmm. but if you're constantly running around it's gonna be hard to catch anything at the end of the day you're not gonna have any like water in your bucket mm-hmm. and i thought about that with my business i was thinking Dang, I'm just trying to do way too much right now. I just gotta like stick in one spot, like double down and then lift up my head in like five years to see where I'm at. Cause mm. so that's kind of where I'm at as far as diversifying. I love that part, but then I also wanna hone in on what I'm good at and then just stick to it. I love that.
2: What percentage yeah. of your like business, I guess, is working with clients versus like workshops and, and all that mm. other stuff you're doing?
3: I would say right now, client work is still a big part of what I do as far as income, like split. I would say during the pandemic, the, you know, I know it's, I hate the word, but just like the influencer side of things like Mm. brand integrations, I guess, sponsorships, brand Mm. integrations kind of took more of a role because during the pandemic, I was doing more YouTube and just like being around home more, like trying to build home office. Mm. like kind of rode that niche for a little bit, but definitely I'm at a point where I would say it's maybe like 50-50 now where 50% of my income comes from client work and then another 50% of my income comes from affiliates, brand integrations, sponsorships Mm. and whatnot. But I don't ever want to be only on one side for that, Mm -hmm. because I feel like when you're too only on the brand sponsorship side, you just become like a walking ad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. You're just always doing ad reads, you're always (laughs) doing sponsorships. It's just like creatively like they feel that. I think that people feel that,
1: too. They're like, okay, Paul, every single video or photo on Paul's grid is a fucking ad. Like, uh, Paul, show us the cool stuff that you're doing again. Exactly. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing from your business
0: side. Yeah, I think it's all been birthed out of the feeling when I first started, when people told me photography was more of a hobby. I'm like, the frick? Mm -hmm. And uh, I soon realized you can make money from it. And the more researched I did, there was public information on like LinkedIn and like Glassdoor and Indeed, where it said what the average that a photographer made in the US was, it's like 60,000. And to be honest, my goal when I got into it and I started realizing wow, it really does matter when you focus on the business side, not just the creative, mm-hmm. that I was fueled to share with others how you're able to crush that in- industry standard. Um, so I feel like my business, for the most part, I got to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna niche down to health, wellness, and fitness. I'm gonna work with, those are gonna be the type of like, brands that I focus on. And through that, I've had people reach out to me and be like, Paul, you're really good at like, the coaching side of things and like the business side. And I think that's just kind of who I am. I've always been obsessed with like numbers, and pricing, and negotiation, and like the admin stuff that most people don't like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think what I've realized is, it's easy to be creative, but hard to be Mm business-minded. So everything that I do on the coaching front has literally been fueled by me wanting to show other freelancers, you can make a living doing what you love, uh, regardless of what anyone else is gonna say. Um, So for me, it's just been, kind of this like new thing becoming a coach within the last three years during the pandemic, when I launched my course, actually, for the first time, <laughs> it's like 30 people signed up for my course mm. and I was like, cool, I broke even whatever. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, a thousand people were in the course. Wow! So 30 to a thousand, my team grew by five. So all of a sudden I'm like, wait, am I a coach? Am I a photographer? Am I a videographer? How do I brand myself? So that's when the freelance photographer was born which is my coaching program.
1: I really like what you said about how you didn't want to be seen as like this You're just a coach you still make really great stuff yeah. you know. And I, that's I feel like what I was struggling with is I'm like I don't want every single vid on my grid to be hey buy my course it's dropping now <laughs> like I just don't want to be that person you know and I yeah. still want to provide value cuz I love making things. So it's like mm-hmm. still that's trying sweet. to find this balance of you know what it is that I want to do and you know still helping people. Mm-hmm. So now For for both of you, I think this is really interesting because we're at a time where online coaching is growing like crazy, Mm -hmm. right? It's a huge boom. You said you went from thirty to a thousand. Do you think in the next year, two years, are you gonna double down on the online coaching? Or are you gonna, you know, how do you kind of pick this path that you're kind of building? You guys are both doing great things in each of your different spaces? That's a great question.
0: I think it hit me recently. I'm in Miami now. Mm -hmm. I'm from Minneapolis. I don't wanna be shooting fitness content on the beach when I'm fifty. Don't wanna do that. Like, I love the idea. <laughs> I love like the idea about apologist. like coaching, <laughs> about us. Um, mm-hmm. consultant. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes natural for me to just share with others, like topics that most people aren't willing to talk about. Mm. So I see myself doubling down on like the mid combo, mm. um, cause I think podcasting is a great way to like reach people. But I do see coaching taking over my business entirely, um, probably within the next five to 10 years. Mm. The reason why I'm still shooting is because I'm extremely passionate about it. And also, um, I don't know, I feel like in order to coach on it, I got to be in it. So everything that I coach on, I typically am like doing with my own clients, Mm -hmm. testing, like even iPhone videos are now a thing that you can add on to packages. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing years ago. Yeah. How about you?
1: In terms of coaching? Yeah. Or or just, just kind of what you see your business Mm -hmm. from, you know, you said you tried the studio that you didn't love that or what? Yeah. Yeah.
3: It was just like not enough profit for me mm-hmm. to make it worth like the energy that i was spending on it but i think for me right now more general as like the market of creator market mm. i think we're going through like a crazy time right now as a creative like there's it's like the golden era to be a creator right now because anybody and their mom is like trying to get on social in some sort of fashion whether that's like TikTok, twitter youtube I still think YouTube, interestingly enough, is kind of like the foundational platform for every like everyone that wants to low-key build an audience on YouTube or transition their audience in some fashion to YouTube. But I think right now my goal is to honestly just be adaptive to anything that's changing. I think early on when there was like more set in stone, like algorithm tricks and whatnot, with especially with Instagram or TikTok, you could really have a style, hone in on the style and literally just milk that bread and butter, which is fine. You could still do that. But i think right now with how many changes are going through on these platforms like youtube is doing shorts like Mm. instagram is going through like we're going to prioritize photo no we're actually doing video Mm -hmm. no let's change the button of this layout like so i think with all that as a creative you need to be ready to adapt and if you're not ready to adapt you're kind of going to get left behind Mm -hmm. in a couple years so right now for me i'm just kind of focusing on uh, youtube focusing on the podcast mid combo and then client work because i i just love I geek out about camera stuff. You can talk camera stuff. Oh, yeah. Day, so. yeah. I'm a gear head. Yeah, we'll, we'll literally save that for another time. Yeah. Paul's
0: Paul and I talk about gear sometimes, but
3: he's kind of opposite than me.
0: That's mm. where I can't relate. Yeah. Guys, like I've been running with the same camera setup yeah. six, seven years now. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. yeah. Ed, come, Ed comes over and I'm like, bro, how do I like rig this thing up?
1: <laughs> I'm constantly selling them. We had a Komodo like a few months ago. we yeah, yeah. sold it. Now we have two C70s. It's just, it's Man. wild.
2: I, I can... I totally agree to what you're saying about I don't want to be 50 on the beach shooting fitness content. For me right now, I'm doing music stuff and I'm on tour damn near every weekend. And I'm like, Mm. this is great now because I'm in my mid-20s and I have energy and I can do it. But I don't want to be doing this forever. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that you brought up in the next like five to 10 years, you see yourself going 100% to coaching. But right now you like still want to be in it. Are you familiar with Chris Doe? Oh, I love Chris Doe. Okay, we love we Chris. Love his I met him in Santa
1: Monica like a few years no ago. just walking down the street, Chris. <laughs> he's like, he's he's like, like what's cool with this? Like, like, bro, what the he's a fuck good going dude. On? Yeah, he's awesome. like, I
2: love Chris. That kind of reminds you? me of that because he put in his 10,000 hours, his 20 plus years yeah. as being an incredible like designer. Mm-hmm. And now he's turned his business into this full time, like seven figure coaching business. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminds me of what. I see you doing, I Mm. guess. Can you talk about the importance though of like putting in your time, learning your craft to then get to the point of being able to coach on it? Because I Mm. feel like that's good. You know, it's great to have, you know, a a digital product where you're teaching and getting into the coaching side of things. But I feel like you don't want to get into it prematurely because you want to build that trust Mm -hmm. and you want to, have people know that like you do know what you're talking about I feel like you don't want to get into it like yeah. prematurely and your name's mm. everything yeah. you know
1: yeah not something that like I feel like you see a lot of the a lot of coaches there's this the big one right now I feel like it's like make 150k as an agency owner like next week and yeah. it's like well if you've never shot a fucking video or a photo <laughs> or like maybe 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 you go make the videos and photos first and then you get into this you know yeah. what, I mean? what are your kind of your thoughts on that that's uh, good
3: it's tough that is a tough one because I do think There are a lot of people who have a lot of valuable knowledge to share but are held back because of like imposter syndrome or they Mm -hmm. feel like they're not qualified to teach i know some of the most talented people that could be hosting fire workshops but they don't because they're like maybe i'm maybe i'm not cut out Mm -hmm. like i'm worried that there's way people way better than me But there's something that i feel like we've all have learned is that no matter what level you're at creatively speaking yeah you might get some people are always going to throw shade like okay i know more than this Mm -hmm. guy that's that's like there's always going to be people like that online Mm -hmm. but there's always gonna be people under you that can learn from you and this is like true at any level Mm -hmm. at any number of followers at any level in your career like there's always gonna be people asking you for tips Mm -hmm. and things that you can like teach on so i think it really you have to more so self reflect on whether or not you're willing to like grow and write it out as as like a coach is like do you enjoy that Mm. or you're just doing it to because you feel like you should be doing it or do you actually love helping people and just don't like stop there as you grow bring these people up with you and Mm. teach them
0: as you learn it's kind of sharing that journey you know that's good what about you paul i think first thing that comes to mind is um you got to get your reps in Mm -hmm. i'm careful saying that sometimes because there's actually people in my coaching program way older than me and like way better than me at like creating content and like filmmaking i'm not even a filmmaker but i shoot video But um, I think that's a big part of it. I also think um, one thing that I've been really intentional about is saying yes to things where I know I'm gonna be able to try something on that I haven't before Mm -hmm. or an experience. I've shot music, I've shot fashion, I've shot beauty, I've shot literally almost every single category. Um, And there there were seasons when I look back at it where I'm like, dang, I hate that I'm shooting fashion. But looking back at it, I'm glad I did try that on because now I'm actually able to speak into it when I come like along someone who's like a full-time fashion photographer, maybe in LA trying to grow their business. I'm like, hey, let me share what worked for me or like what I learned. So I don't know, I think coaching can seem sexy um, and it's definitely not for everybody. When I first started, I started with very, very small beginner photography workshops in Minneapolis, teaching people how to turn their camera on. I hated it. (laughs) Teaching like a lady that was 60 how to turn on her shutter because she found the workshop (laughs) through Eventbrite. I'm like, she's not even on my Instagram, she found it through Eventbrite. Uh (laughs) But um, I'm thankful for that, because that focus group, I feel like, helped me get to a point where now I'm able to build it online and make it so, I don't know, it's pretty streamlined at this point. I think like one thing I'd love to add to that is in the coaching side, a lot of
3: people maybe you can also i would love to hear your experience on this too but you get really up in your own head once you are starting to put together like modules or courses mm-hmm. and you start to second guess and it's a long process like you put together a product it can be really overwhelming and you get to real think is this going to be good enough and then you maybe pull out i guarantee you, there's so many modules and courses that have been shot from creators that just never made it to the public yeah, yeah. like i actually have a full like half module like I've shot like five modules of like a seven-module course that I wanted to launch back in like 2020, but I just buried it. It's like living in a hard drive right now, and it's because I took so long to bring it to market that by the time I was kind of ready, I've learned so much already. My thoughts have changed on like the mo- first module that I mm, shot. Wow! So I think in that in that light, and that's why I appreciate about Paul is like he's really good at just choosing something taking action and then bringing it to market Mm -hmm. you don't dwell too much in like are people gonna like Mm -hmm. this is this good is this lighting good like done is better than perfect learn from it move on to the next course like kind of get into that mindset because if you try to think too long on what your coaching path will look like
1: you may just like never start. Yeah, it took me a year and like 10 or a year and two months to do my first one. It took me like five months to do the second one because once I once I figured it out, I was like, okay, this is this is how you build the website. This is the most important thing in this process. And get it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's cool is you can pre-sell the damn thing before you make it. Yeah. So you Mm. can you can be contacting people that are maybe interested in it, you know, posting stories and say, hey, is this something that is something you would be interested in? Like, tell me what your problems are right now and you can gather information and learn about what your audience is struggling with before mm-hmm. you even put said mm-hmm, thing out mm-hmm. so you guys both make amazing content i was joking with costas did you guys go to like fucking ig grid school because your <laughs> grids, <laughs> your, your your grids are very on point <laughs> no, John,
0: tell me why that's all ed, actually, no. i'm actually I'm yes. inspired no. by ed
1: <laughs> bro you are mr s yeah, yeah, ed, right. ed, ed wrote the book on it but, um, <laughs> so, so, but, but IG Grid school, no, that's seriously, funny. did you um when a client does come to both of you right yeah what is that pre-production Process look like once I come and I say, Paul, this is the brief. I want to do this with my brand. What comes next for both of you guys after mm. that process? Yeah, we
2: kind of want to get into the nitty gritty of like process, of process, and, and yeah, and the yeah. business
0: side of shit. First thing I do is I'll check first of all, read the email and do as much research as I can, mm. while also messaging them within 24 hours to get on a discovery call. You gotta hop on a call. I literally will never give pricing. I'll never res- like respond in detail until we get on a call. So typically over zoom so we can do face to face. Mm. And then from that point on, I'm just talking about scope deliverables. Um, I love asking what's your budget and trying to win that dance. Mm -hmm. And then we hop into the project and I'm kind of the one depending on the scope of the project doing all the producer roles too. Mm -hmm. I might bring on a team. Um, and then we have kind of a timeline and contract in place.
1: Nice. Are a lot of the brands that you both are working with, because you're in Miami, you're in Seattle, are they hitting you up and saying, hey, you source the models, this is the product, go do it? Or as the brands usually located in Seattle, Miami, you flying to them, what does it kind of look like for both of you right now?
3: Yeah, I would say a lot of my clients are actually not based in Seattle. They're kind of all around. But typically the type of clients that I work with is, yeah, they send me the product. They're like, we love your work. You handle it. Like find the talent, find the location. We trust your vision. And then I pretty much just pitched them my idea with the product they have in place. And then we talk the budget and then we just kind of get going on it. I have also on the flip side of that though, done projects where they kind of have everything ready. Like they're like, we have the models, mm-hmm. we have the location, here's our product. We just need like a DP or something, yeah, right? That's so beautiful that's more that Yeah, I mean, that's more like if you are to work for an agency or production house, like you have one role, you fulfill that role like really well and you get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think w- when we're talking about more of the freelance creative, where they get a budget and they kind of handle A through C. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much still where I'm at Mm. and
1: yeah, is there anything about the process that has changed now that you've you've been doing it? You said for a a minute, you've been doing it for a minute. We all are full time, right? Like, is there anything in this process? You're like, I didn't used to do this and this has severely saved me a bunch of headaches with them because I'm sure we've all dealt with a client that could be annoying or Mm -hmm. excess revisions like the whole nine yards. Is there anything in that process? You're like, this was really helpful for me.
0: I think the most crucial thing. Is that discovery call? Yeah. Asking the right questions on the call versus bringing it to email and sending them a freaking bullet list or yeah. questionnaire. I, I love when I'm able to crush a discovery call and it's like 15 minutes and we walk away knowing the scope and the budget and we're both on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not willing to give me the budget, I'll kind of share with them where I think the budget should be based on the scope. But that is crucial. I think a lot of freelancers drop the ball by trying to do it over email. And then I think they also dropped the ball by not asking the hard questions. Yeah. On that phone call,
1: they don't like to talk about money. Creatives get nervous yeah. when they start yeah. talking. Can about you money. give us
2: some of your favorite questions to ask oh, on totally. a discovery? Bro, go? we have a podcast Shh. episode on this. Hey, yeah, this <laughs> is good. go check yeah. it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll name.
0: I'll call it three. Yeah. Uh, first one is, um, can you share some examples of what you're looking to achieve? Because. Hmm. I love how Ed actually told me that when we first met. Mm -hmm. He's like, if they send you a freaking Super Bowl commercial and their budget is like what's (laughs) gonna get them maybe a social (laughs) reel? 500 bucks. You gotta call it (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs) Um so that's the first one. Second one is I'll be like, um, you know, have you worked with any content creators in the past and what did you like and what you dislike? Mm. Just making sure that again, it's like speed dating. I tell people it's strategic speed dating. Third one is just what's your budget? I love that if they fill out the contact form on my website and it's, they just like leave it blank or they put like a low ball number. That's nowhere near my day rate. I'm going to ask them on the call. Hey, I need to know what your all-in budget is. And that's where sometimes we actually are able to do multiple shoots instead of just one based on the deliverables. And that's kind of where I bring in like the retainer conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think those are like the three core for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll let them just another question that I'll ask is just like, tell me more about your brand and also what the goal is in the content. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, us creatives need to shut up sometimes on the phone (laughs) and just listen and learn as much as we can. And that's kind of where I'm able to be like, hey, tell me as much as you can about your brand and your product, because you know about it more than I do. Mm. And people love talking about their their products and services. Oh
3: yeah. They do, yeah. I think another huge question to ask when you're on these discovery calls is, I always love to ask, can you name me like three competing brands that you look up to right now? Because then if they share with you like, who their competing brands are. You can see what their content is like and you're like, okay, cool. I could either A, do let's better go. than this or B, you're going to need more budget if you want to pull this off. So it's like a really good gauge.
2: I have a fairly specific question about pricing. When it comes to licensing, I've never really known about this and like what to charge for that. So let's say I remember in your workshop you were giving like, okay, you have a mom and pop like hair salon mm-hmm. versus working with like to beauty mm-hmm. and you're going to charge more for like the licensing and like where this is living can you talk about like like what do you where charge? Do you yeah
0: yeah Corey jenkins is a good buddy of mine he's based out of miami shout he's, out cory yeah he shoots for like pat mahomes and stuff great great oh, great sorry. dude i asked him that question um recently and he goes if your parents and your like friends and family have never heard about the brand you better not mention usage and licensing like <laughs> they're gonna be like wait what's usage and licensing, Mm -hmm. right? But if it's a bigger brand, then I think it's okay to start talking about what that looks like. My ballpark is between 15 and 25% of the all in budget. So again, with those bigger brands, it depends on the relationship. If I get brought on through an agency and the agency is like, yo, here's our all-in budget. Do you want to do photos? That's different than if the brand comes to me directly and Mm -hmm. says, Paul, we want to hire you to shoot a campaign for us Mm -hmm. and we're hiring you. That's when I'm going to say, all right, well, what's the usage and licensing budget? And also like, where are you looking to use the content? Um, how long is it going to live for? And all that. So 25% is probably the most common when I get brought on to these big budget shoots from companies that we've heard of. And I'll just set a reminder in my calendar and make sure that I track it and click up or notion to make sure to check in with them after the year or the two year term.
1: So you guys, do you use ClickUp as well? That's for those listening that don't know what Clipa, ClickUp is. It's a CRM. So do you do you both use ClickUp?
3: I'm like a big Notion guy. Big Notion guy. My whole life is in Notion. You strike me as a Notion guy. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> if you guys look at SC, you'll I, I, see Notion. I'm yeah, like right. I'm like I'm all. I, Notion is. Freaking the best tool ever. Dude. That's so like, funny. I need to get
2: on it. I'm not really sure how to use I, it. I, I try. It's kind of do, you, do you have like templates that you've yeah, posted? Yeah, Ed will give you the template. Uh, yeah, it's got the fire yeah. we don't
3: have to talk about it, but basically, like, <laughs> I love Notion.
0: Sponsor me, please. <laughs> Notion, if you're listening, please sponsor me. That's what we That's
1: so funny. Oh my God. So, do, you, do you like ClickUp? How I use that?
0: ClickUp because I've actually become more of a producer. Mm. I brought Ned on it. Like, we've done a yeah. lot of projects together, and um, it's I love the producer side of like big budget projects. Paul's Paul's Mm -hmm. a great producer. So ClickUp is great for organizing it. Mm, Love it. Organizing tasks and assigning them to people that are involved. I love that. What percentage of clients that you're working with are
2: coming to you guys versus you guys doing outreach? That's good.
3: so funny because we were just joking last night before we've done our episode as well. He was saying that like my website's been down for like six months and like it has been. Like I haven't had a personal website because I was transitioning On like i want to get more work on it so i took it down it's like locked with a password but it's been like that for probably like six months to eight months now but to be honest like nothing has changed in my business which i find very fascinating because i i put a lot of weight on my website before i'm not saying you shouldn't have a website i think you should have a website and i need to get mine back up but i think it's important to note that that's people sometimes creators will put way too much weight Mm. on Portfolio and their website. They'll literally burn the midnight oil for like two weeks trying to get their website all dialed when in reality, I feel like there's uh, So many other things that can also impact like the leading like inquiries that come in mm. um, Another thing I look at is when a creators reach out to me or other people um, are looking to like provide their services oftentimes especially in the creative industry i don't really care about your website necessarily but like send me some like work that speaks to what you're trying to apply for right now or work that is applicable to what we're talking about and then your instagram link i honestly think in this day and age like your social media is your resume like because With a website, you see the client work you've done, but with social media, you see the personality. Mm -hmm. You see like they're behind the scenes. You get to see like what camera they're Mm -hmm. using. You get to see what they're like on set. You get to see how they talk, if there's some of them talking in a reel. I personally find that way more valuable than just being like these are all my fire Vimeo selects. I also just feel like that just depends on what industry.
1: You're in. mm. I think they're buying yeah. from you though. You know, they want. Yeah. They're like, I see this Paul guy. I, I'm looking at his stuff and like, oh, Paul seems like a really cool guy. I could hang out with yeah, Paul. Yeah, I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to work with this yeah. guy. I have yeah. to spend eight hours with him. let's get want... it tonight, bro. Yeah. After dinner, we're free. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that's amazing i know that you boys have to get out of here to go to another pod i think i could go on for three yeah. more hours um but mm-hmm. i really loved this conversation and my last question to both of you is what is some advice to your 18 year old self you you're talking to paul you're talking to ed at 18 so for right now in this creative journey before you embark on it what's one piece of good advice
0: mm.
3: come on eddie you want me to go first yep
1: take us home eddie let
3: me let me take a second thing about
1: okay because there's so
3: many things also how old are you guys I'm turning 30 this year, actually. Okay. I'm turning 27 this year.
0: Okay, cool. Sweet. How
3: about you guys? 25. I'm 27. Yeah. Dang, oh, nice.
0: are you are so, young. That's awesome. Somewhere in age, yeah. I, I, hey, I got one. Yeah. I think advice I'd give to my 18 year old self is to say yes to as many opportunities as possible and to also look at others that are more expert, you know, better than you in the industry and do whatever you can to add value to them. Not pick their brain for free, but to add value to them in a way that's going to make their life easier. Um, cause that's something that I wish I would have done. <laughs> honestly, I was so stubborn growing up in Minneapolis. There is a lot of competition and kind of this, like people aren't willing to share like what they're going through in their business. So I did the mar- I definitely did the marathon like instead of the shortcut. So if I could go back, I would tell my 18 year old self shadow someone at an agency, do the internship, um, honestly absorb as much as possible. So then you can get to that point where you're actually making money and income that much faster. I agree, I, one
2: regret I think I have is I wish I would've worked at an agency or found someone to shadow because, again, I feel like I'm I'm, happy of like where I am. I feel like I could've gotten here a lot quicker had I like shadowed mm-hmm. someone, for mm-hmm. sure.
0: I yeah. agree. That's awesome.
3: Working somewhere is so underrated. I feel like in freelance mm-hmm. talk already, a lot of people are like, oh, I, got, I want to freelance, I want to freelance, but there's so much value in working for a place that can you can learn all? I always joke with my wife. I'm like, if honestly, if like Nike offered me a job or something, and it feels low paying, I would go. So I just <laughs> yeah, want to learn. I want to be yeah. around the production.
1: going to do the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you can do remote from. Bro, I would end tell end. you to <laughs> hire me though. Look, <laughs> like that's just that's just cool. You know,
0: <laughs> that's that's a hack though. Yeah, you and get the buddy gets a job of, at yeah, Nike yeah, and hire yeah, yeah, us. the whole squad's working at Nike. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. yeah, we'll have to work on a project.
3: I think the younger. What I would tell my younger self though is, I wish I would have. Documented my process a bit more. Mm. Um, I think early on I was very in my own head, and I think when you're first starting out, you're you're always you have. I think there's never a, sh- a shortage of ideas. There's a shortage of action that people take. Mm. Like everyone has great ideas, but to be honest, ideas don't mean anything unless you actually do something about them. And I think I was very in my own head when I was younger. I was just like, I have this idea. I I know I could do this. I know I, could, I know my everyone knows their potential but it just lives in your head. And I wish when I was younger, I would have was been okay with documenting the process a bit more because when I look at my favorite creatives now that I watch, the reason why they're my favorite is because I've kind of grown with them. Like I've seen their whole process, like how they've evolved. It wasn't like they lived in their own head for five years to plan this move and then to like, boom, drop this most like fire piece. Because then no one knows what you've worked up until that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say if you're in an early part of your journey or you're younger, whatever age you are, just document the process. Like even if no one sees it, document it so that you could look at it later. That's so valuable because that's something you can never redo or get back that time that you were going through that growth.
2: I also think that creators, when they're first starting out, they get caught up in like, well, I don't have a like sexy studio to shoot at, yeah exactly exactly like what Mm -hmm. what's interesting about what i'm doing Mm -hmm. like that's right i agree like you don't even have to use it for anything Mm -hmm. just like document it because you're gonna want to have that later on in your journey
3: yeah i mean the mid combo, for example right like i'm so glad i made i made like a little short film on like I just quit my job, I was like running high on that energy and I was like these are all my moves that I'm going to do. At the very end of that little short film I created was like I have this idea, it's so great, it's going to be this thing called mid-convo. Guys, middle of the conversation, like super epic, no episode shot yet, no guests, no <laughs> nothing, crazy. like I was still trying to figure it out. But now I look back and I'm like that's money footage to have, mm-hmm. like before I met Paul, before I knew any of this, like I have a clip of me being like I want to do podcasting in mid-convo. Like, it's just cool to have. I don't know what's going to turn into, but imagine that, but just like your whole life and you yeah. can look back
1: on it. You have a huge, I mean, your YouTube's just a big scrapbook of exactly. your life. Which yeah, is awesome. Exactly. awesome. It's amazing. Where can the people find you? So everyone go check out the mid combo. We'll link it below. Where can they find you on social?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul Wheat then. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we'll link it below as well in Edward Lee <laughs> yeah, Films, yeah, right? Edward On all it.
1: channels. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The 505 Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, hit the follow button. We'll see you guys all next week. Peace. Bye. Peace.
0: Hey.